1: 6:30, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on 6:30, Chad. McDavid centers one timer
0: score. Oscar Clefbaum. It ends in strikes again in overtime. This time, it's Clefbaum.
2: Snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is.
1: Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630
2: Chad. It's Friday the 26th. Twice as scary as Friday the 13th. NHL action tonight. Lightning lead the Golden Knights 3-1 after the second period. Jets and Red Wings are scoreless late in the first. San Jose up 2-0 in Carolina with six minutes left in the first period. Still to come tonight, the Senators take on the Avalanche. Game three of the World Series about to start in Los Angeles. The Red Sox are up 2-0 in the best of seven. The Raptors are trying to start 6-0 for the first time in their history. And what a start to this one! They lead Dallas 39-22. Still over a minute remaining in the first quarter. The Oil Kings play at Kootenay, about an hour away from face-off. They're then home against Saskatoon tomorrow and Lethbridge on Sunday. And about an hour away from dropping the puck at Claire Drake Arena, the Golden Bears taking on UBC. Both those teams are four and two. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6:30. Ched. Will the Eskimos game next Saturday mean something for the green and gold? 6.30 kickoff tonight. Calgary Stampeders at Winnipeg Blue Bombers. If Calgary wins, then it's Edmonton and Winnipeg next Saturday for the final playoff spot in the CFL. If the Bombers win, or even tie for that matter, the Eskimos are out. So we will keep an eye on that game tonight. It kicks off in half an hour. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. I would love to hear from you tonight, man. I am hearing a lot of love for the Nuge over the last 24 hours, and why not? He and the Oilers back on the ice Tomorrow, they will visit the Nashville Predators, are broadcast 11.30 in the morning. The game will start at 1, and then Sunday, another one for the Oilers in Chicago, 2.30 face-off show. The game starts at 4. The Oilers 4-3-1, and one. so that eight-game stretch that had a lot of you very nervous when you saw the schedule come out in the summer, the Oilers get through it 4-3-1. and one. Uh, Not a great record, but certainly not uh, the disaster that some of you were fearing. I I know this, Kellen. We had the uh, Oilers uh, lose their first two games of the season. Rob and I had a caller on overtime open line who thought that the Oilers were probably going to go 0-10 in their first ten games, but maybe they'd go 2-8. Well, I hope that guy feels a little better. And uh, then we uh, had a caller after the Oilers beat the Rangers complaining that the Oilers didn't win the game by enough and that they were probably going to be 3-9 and nine after 12 games. Well, I hope that guy feels a little better because they have exceeded those very low expectations. We'll see how they do against the Predators tomorrow, a team they have not beat since dinosaurs roamed the earth. Since the, the saber-tooths that the Predators have in their logo roam the earth. That's what it seems like the last time the Oilers beat the Predators. It's actually a stretch of uh, 13 games. And Chicago, anticipated by many to be a poor team this season, actually off to a great start, checking in with a record of 6-2-2. and Then the Oilers home for a couple of games Tuesday, Thursday, against the Wild and the Blackhawks. But i got to tell you, as I mentioned, everybody loving the nuge, and why not? 12 for 31 on the power play this season. and what a play! Nugent Hopkins. The steal on Carlson, walks in, shoots and scores! Short-handed goal, Ryan Nugent Hopkins! And
1: Edmonton extends to a 2-0 lead! What a heady play!
2: Well, what an incredible play by the Nugent. Stalking John Carlson, stealing the drop pass, deking out Baxter, moving in, getting the shot away, and beating Holtby, and that turned out to be the game-winner. Put the Oilers up 2-0 at the time and uh, they go on to win 4-1. And then Nugent Hopkins at the end of the game getting the puck over to Connor McDavid for an empty net goal. And I would think if if, uh, Nugent Hopkins had kept going on that play or had just simply gone down because of the two guys who were hooking him from behind, he probably would have been awarded a goal himself uh, for being fouled while having a clear path to an empty net. But uh, instead he got it over to McDavid, gets the assist, and uh, McDavid gets the goal. James says, uh, early text for you, Mr. Wilkins, the Nuge is huge. LOL. That is from James. Well, <laughs> a, uh, a well-known phrase, and uh, I know you're throwing in the LOL, but no laughing matter because Nugent Hopkins has been very good this season. And, uh, you know, he's, he's always been a very intelligent player, a very well-rounded player, but we're really starting to see that uh, click well, I think last season and now this season, and, and Todd McClellan commented today on Nugent Hopkins' intelligence.
1: I would evaluate his hockey IQ as as very high. Uh, I would evaluate his risk assessment within games as. Um, um, high as well, uh, I think it 's improving. He realizes he can take some risk offensively now and and produce uh, offense, but it 's never at dumb times it 's never at uh, at risk of getting scored against and um, you know we appreciated that in year one here. year two uh, was even uh, more evident when we went to the World Cup. the number of players or management people that were Involved in the event or at the event, and made that comment. The way he managed himself at both ends of the rink um, was very reassuring for us as a as a coaching staff that was there, but also as a as an organization. And um, you know, to date, I think he's still only been on the ice for one goal against. That hasn't been an empty netter, and we're seven, eight games in now. So, just goes to show how uh, how astute he is all over the rink.
2: Well, that's quite a stat, isn't it? Just one goal against that wasn't an empty netter, and uh, Nugent Hopkins is doing it at both ends of the rink. He's uh, producing offensively. You know his faceoffs are, are improving. I still wouldn't call him a wizard, but uh, the kid's a uh, kid's a pretty good player. Absolutely. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. This texter says: Is there a stat how the Oilers do on playing early games? Sees to me we haven't won any. Uh, over the last couple of years at all. Well, I'll tell you what, there is a record. There is a stat kept for matinees. These are games that are st- uh, start earlier than 4 o'clock local time. And uh, last year, the Oilers were 3-6 and six in matinees all time. They are 55-77-15 for a points percentage of 425. So you are right. The Oilers are generally not good in afternoon. Well, they won one this year, didn't they, Kellen? They won, the, they won the one against the New York Rangers, so you can add another uh, win onto that for sure. You can text 630-630. Marcel says, hey, Reed, we all knew when the Oilers got McDavid that Hall, Eberle, and Nugent Hopkins weren't long for the Oilers. Well, I believe that the Oilers traded the right two guys. While one of those wingers would look good on this team, you cannot replace the Nuge I know Hall won the Hart Trophy, but Nugent Hopkins will do more to help the Oilers win. That is a text coming in to 630, 630 from Marcel. All right, seven eight zero four 63 We got Mike on the line. Mike, thanks a lot for calling. Oh, thank you.
3: you what a comment on Connor. Sure. Does he see a little a little soft on the faceoff, you know part of the game?
2: Well, his face-offs has improved. Uh, let me double-check the stat. He was up around 55% a couple days ago. So I think he's actually uh, worked on his face-offs, and he's gotten better at it. What do you, what do you see?
3: Well, I just see maybe, uh, you know, until they improve, maybe put someone else kind of take the face-off. Is there anybody that has a higher percentage than I want the team there?
2: I'm just getting the stats right now because I don't know them off the top of my head. Uh, Dry Seidel's been having a pretty good season. Okay. But New, uh, McDavid was up around 55% uh, earlier, and then that was a focus for him to get better at that. So, yeah, then the, the Oilers were going into yesterday's game as a team. I do have that in my notes. They were just under 50%, 18th in the league, so just below average. Uh, here's the face off percentages for guys that regularly take face offs. Well, McDavid's dropped down the last few games. Uh, Brodziak's 51.6. Dreisaitl is 51. Strom is 48.8. Uh, McDavid's dropped down to 48.3. And uh, Nugent Hopkins hasn't been taking as many. He's, uh, he's 45. So McDavid has had a tough couple games.
3: Yeah, just from watching the last few games, I noticed that it's a key area in their game that they need to improve on that ball.
2: Okay. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can also text six We'll keep talking about the Nuge a little bit. on Bouchard and Koskinen as well. The goaltender expected to make his first Oilers appearance tomorrow. This is Mike Riley from your
3: Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet.
2: Well, nothing 13 Green can do this weekend to get the Eskimos into the playoffs. Just has to sit and watch and hope the Stampeders beat the Blue Bombers. That game will kick off in about 15 minutes. We'll keep you updated here on Inside Sports. I'm with you until 8, and then you can tune in for updates uh, on our newscast or over on Global News Radio 880. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. It is 20 after 6. Bob Stoffer with the Oilers in Nashville. He's going to check in after the 6.30 news. Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer this evening. Kellen, old boy, how are you? How are you doing? Doing great on this funkified Friday night. You're off to a flying start opping Oilers games. You're 3-1-1. One, and one That's right. In your games. Pretty good? Pretty good. Points percentage of 70. Nice. That's good. If you get 70% of your points uh, in the NHL you, w- you will make the playoffs. Well, I think it's uh, 100% effort every game. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, Kelly, you're giving 110%. I really 110%. like how you're getting p- pucks in deep. Got to, got get pucks in deep. Yeah. And how big is your, st- your room there? About fifteen feet. You're playing a fifteen foot game. Absolutely. Like you're going to every corner, every part of the room. I'm playing a twenty foot game in a fifteen foot room. <laughs> that's, that's how thorough Kellen Kennedy is. <laughs> ah, that is great. Uh well, it's, uh, it's Friday night, so I hope uh, many of you who are able to are playing at least a one pint game. As <laughs> You listen to Inside Sports tonight. Maybe a couple. We'll allow it. Hey that will be post midnight for me. <laughs> yeah, you got to work till. Uh, you gotta, Are you still working out after work? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Going down to the gym.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing another uh, gym
2: sesh tonight. Actually, so that's what I'll be doing after work. Good, good man. Good man. Uh, World Series is uh, well just underway. No score in the top of the first. Boston visiting the Dodgers. So obviously the Red Sox lead the best of seven, two games to nothing. Yakushev says if the Oilers had three Nuges, they would definitely make the playoffs. Uh, well, that's a nice compliment. I, I think he means three Nuge's on the twenty-man roster, not just three Nuge's and no one else. That would yeah, that'd be, hard. be a little tough. You would, you'd run out of players pretty quickly. Southside Rob says, "Hey, Reed, the Nuge is the new Pavel Datsuk, in my humble opinion. So happy for him and the Oilers. Great young man, still only twenty-five years old. That is from Southside uh, Rob." Uh, this texture says, uh, Reed, I was in Calgary today, and I'm on the way home. Be glad you're not in that city today. Mike Smith is getting roasted, as well as the Calgary Flames' defensive ineptitude. People are jumping ship in Calgary. Well, look, the Flames had uh, an awful game. The Oilers had an awful game right to start the season and then didn't have a great game against Boston uh, to follow up, and a lot of people were, were, spooky, were spooked about that. I, I mean, look, I, I try not to put too much on one game, Because I think over 82 games, you're going to have the occasional stinker, even good teams. Uh, Bad teams have a lot lot of stinkers, and we've seen that from the Edmonton Oilers over years past. Here's here's what I liked last night. There was a lot more desperation and detail in the way they played in their own end the wingers were collapsing a little lower making sure they got into the slot to help out when there were loose pucks in dangerous areas there there was an oiler around it able to slap it out or block a shot uh, so they, they limited or, or took away some of the dangerous areas of the ice and some of the good Washington scoring chances. So I like that. And then, you know, some depth guys uh, some depth guys score. Jason has a hot stick right now. They're going to need, obviously, more from Lucic, more from Strom, uh, a little more from Karen Kajula on the line, uh, down the line. But... You know, at, at least there was some other production other than it's like, okay, as we saw earlier in the season, when uh, McDavid's on the ice, stuff happens, and when McDavid's on the bench, nothing happens, or the Oilers get scored on. So at least there was there was a little more. I mean, look, McDavid's going to get the most points and the most scoring chances, um, but you need something from the other lines, and Chase on has helped, and, and good for him. And he got moved up to uh, Dreisaitl's line, which has prompted a text from Greg who says two words, yes, he who? All right, <laughs> a lot of discussion on uh, Pulley yesterday, and another texter uh, simply says Nuge is the best player right now. Well, there's an interesting one. Is Nugent Hopkins, despite everything, Connor McDavid is Hart Trophy winner a couple of years ago, Art Ross champion two years in a row, uh, is is Ryan Nugent Hopkins simply the Oilers' most rounded player and best all-round player? doesn't mean he's the best offensive player or that he's going to get the most points. But is he, let me put it, let me put it this to you. Is Nugent Hopkins the Oilers' most trustworthy player? Let me put it to you that way. 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. Brian is on the line. Brian, thanks for calling.
0: Hey, how's
2: it going? Great. Doing quite well.
0: So uh, here's, here's my take on Nugent. He is probably the most consistent, and has been the most consistent Oiler outside of McDavid over the last two years. But over his whole career, I mean, he has consist- he, oh, he he's always tried to improve his game. He knew he needed to get a little bit better defensively, and he has. And I think he's become a very, very good two-way forward now. Um, possibly, maybe the most unsung. Two-way, two-way player in the league.
2: Maybe, yeah, maybe. Uh, and that's then you know, I want I want it to stay that way. People, the, the rest of the league <laughs> underappreciates Nuge. I don't care. Edmonton can keep him.
0: Well, the the nice thing about about being under underappreciated is a lot of times you don't get watched, and he he's proving it by putting some points on the board. And you know, as far as Lucic uh, you know goes. Where where I'm really uh, upset with, with Lucic right now is he, he just does not seem to want to stand in front of the net and be that big body and and screen the goalie, especially during the power plays.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, Brian, Rob talks about that all, that all the time. And I actually think Lucic, is, this eight-game segment, was, was pretty good. I, I mean, I, I would have liked him to bury maybe like a couple of the good scoring chances he had in the last two games. Uh, his hits are way up there. He's been absolutely jobbed on a couple of penalties, where the guy last night toe-picked, and the h- the hit in Winnipeg was not charging. But I would I would agree with you. And and if you ever hear Rob after games, he gets frustrated all the time. How and it's not just Lucic; some other forwards seem to shift out of the goalie's eyesight well, Luke, when the Luke puck C's comes in. Lucic done
0: that. Kadri uh, uh, or um, uh, Drew has he's done that. Uh, Cassian has done that, uh, you know. I mean, I've seen more guts, if you want, uh, and and I'll, I'll use the term more Ryan Smith guts out of like Yamamoto and Kajula.
2: Well, and Chaseon was right in front of uh, Holtby on on Bouchard's and, point shot. That's a, and, that and was a yeah, textbook I've, screen. Textbook screen.
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and you know, it's just uh, you know one thing that that the Oilers uh, I think have. Realized finally is they've got to start
2: just throwing that puck at the net. Brian, I got to run, buddy. But uh, good points. Good Thanks Take for the care. call. All right.
0: Uh, we'll get. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: This is some of your texts. There's more open line time ahead, 780-496-0063. Stauffer's going to check in from Nashville. Coming up. This
1: is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630
2: Chad. About to kick off. Stampeders and Blue Bombers. Eskimos need the Stamps to win. Got a text from John. He says cheering for the Stamps feels like playing spin the bottle at a family reunion. It's a no-win situation. That is John texting 630-630. Quick check of the scoreboard. The Lightning lead the Golden Knights 3-2 in the third. After the first, Detroit up 1-0 on Winnipeg. San Jose leads Carolina 2-zip. Senators and Avalanche coming up later tonight. No score after the first in Game 3 of the World Series. Raptors up 63-55 on the Dallas Mavericks. That is late in the first half. Oil Kings and Golden Bears both have games coming up at 7. We'll keep you updated once those get underway. Uh, Quickly getting to a few texts and a lot coming in tonight, so I appreciate that. I will read as many as I can. Uh, One texter says, is Seidel sick? He looked like a Timbit player out there. Didn't, uh, thought he looked pretty good the last couple games, actually. Uh, one texter says, does anybody remember that there was talk about trading Ryan Nugent Hopkins two years ago? Jeremy from Glendon says, I hate the line blender, but with how Nuge is playing and how Dreisaitl is not, I think Nuge can drive the second line. Dreisaitl could get his spark back on McDavid's wing for four or five games. But Dreisaitl at center is the ideal scenario. That is from Jeremy. Another texter says, one of the big positives for the Oilers has been... They're compete level, good for checking, special teams play, and two of the players who got a lot of heat last year, Larson and Russell, are having good starts. Larson is playing strong, steady, making great outlet passes that I thought he wasn't capable of, and no one is texting or calling in about Russell to be traded. No one talking about him means he's doing a good job and playing well within his skill set. Overall, a good start for the top 4 D man. And Bam says, "What will it take for Nuge to be nominated for the Selkie?" Well, that'd be fun if that happened. Tell you what, I mean, he's he's on pace for for uh, over 90 points. I I don't know if he's going to get there, but if he gets in the 60s or 70s and is plus 20 or 30, I mean, he's already plus five. He may get nominated for the Selkie. This guy is nominated. All the time for one of my favorite inside sports guests. It's Oilers now host, Bob Stoffer, checking in from Nashville. Hey, Bob.
3: Uh, hey, Ray. Just to set the record right from the get-go here, I'm not interested in playing spin the bottle.
0: <laughs> good.
3: <laughs> I, did, I did have that experience back in 1987 in uh, Clearwater, British Columbia. And the best part about that night, well, it was a good night. The Oilers won their third Stanley Cup. It was May 31st, 1987 which coincides with the birthday of the owner's owner Darrell case as well but uh, anyhow uh, how are you doing are you wa- I'm supposed to watch this Calgary game that's gonna take place
2: tonight I'm gonna watch it pretty closely I got TSN on in uh, on in here and then well actually I got a buddy in town but we'll we'll be following it while we're hanging out after work uh, I mean I don't know man this well, we'll let's just do the Eskimo stuff right off the top it's it's uh it's been a bummer of a second half of the year I get texts all the time. Uh, look, Jason Moss will be evaluated after the season. He'll have exit interviews. The head coach has not had a good year. And sometimes coaches have slumps. The thing with coaches is they don't get, a, get usually get a chance to bounce back with the same team. Uh, I, I hear all the anger for Len Rhodes. I don't think he's going any, anywhere. Uh, I think the board is on board with Len and what he does, at least on the business side. Uh, Brock Sunderland will see. I know Jerry Matajong wrote a good piece in The Sun uh, that maybe we, Brock deserves maybe another season and another coach if it comes to that.
3: Yeah, you know, like you, uh, I, you know, care tremendously about that organization. Um, unlike you, I don't have that opportunity to do as much day to day. But as you know, I, I mean, uh, I follow it pretty closely and had a lot of conversations with a lot of people in the mid 2000s about the direction of the Eskimos and. There was a realization that uh, as the te- as the league moved away uh, from the old system into the new salary management system, that you know you're going to have a cap on players. The Eskimos exploited that advantage before they went to a cap, uh, and I'd like to see the Eskimos uh, use their financial to with Seattle and have the most extensive scouting staff in the league. Because you know what, you're only as good as your worst Canadian, and uh, the Eskimos, in my mind, should be the uh, best scouting organization with Canadians. Because they've got as deep as pockets as anybody, so that means excellent scouts uh, out in Atlantic, out in uh, obviously a couple scouts in Canada West, Ontario, uh, the, the Quebec uh, League, which uh, you know the kids there benefit from CJF and playing an extra year when they actually get drafted, which was a conversation to have with Danny Mito all the time. So, and then in terms of the import talent, or what do they call now, internationals? Yeah, I mean you got a. 125 Division One NCAA programs producing 12 to 15 players a year, so that's why, uh, you know, you take a look at international players. Read that's why they're replaceable all the time because you have an endless supply of players coming out of there. The same is not the case with Canadians, and that's why Canadian uh, scouting is so important. So we'll see. I wish them the best of luck, and I hope for Edmonton's sake that they get a break here with uh, Calgary takes care of business against Winnipeg, and then. The Eskimos organization has a chance to knock out Winnipeg and at least get in the crossover next week. I like nothing more than to see that for all the people in the Eskimos
2: organization. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean Riley is still uh, you know a joy to have to, to watch, and he's a great representative of the team. So uh, hopefully that is a meaningful game next Saturday. Uh, Bob, I, I I put on tw- I put on Twitter, but it, it, you know it was kind of both tongue in cheek and and serious because fans are loving this guy right now. I called the first half hour of the show the Nugent Hopkins Appreciation Hour. You heard text about, you know, could he get nominated for the Selkie? Uh, Todd said some uh, very kind things about his hockey intelligence and how he's helping Connor. Uh, you know, Jeremy, who I got to meet last night at Studio 99, says, well, you put Nuge now on his own line and put Dreisaitl with McDavid. Uh, I actually don't think Dreisaitl... Has looked like he's struggling the last couple of games. I, I thought he played played fairly well. He got the couple of goals against the Penguins. I know he didn't get a point last night, but I thought it was a decent night for that line. But I mean, with Nuge, it's it's. I mean, he's still so young, right? And it's almost like now he's just really moving into his prime. Uh, he's out thinking a lot of guys, and then plus he has the talent to makes to make uh, the play once his brain puts him in the right spot. Well, you
3: know you. I know you, we've had this, this conversation before and you love to talk about guys that are capable of checking and of the others forward there's no forward that was required to be more defensively conscientious over the last five years of Ryan You know, And he's a, a mature kid. I mean his dad uh, went through a bout with cancer his family didn't have any money he's, he's had a real hardship in his life and because of that he's had balance and he's just a great person to deal with and I would assert to you he's probably the most he, and, and at this stage of the game, I mean, him and Clef in that 2001 drop. those guys have been around as long as anybody in the organization. It's crazy to say he's a bit of an elder statesman. And that maturation read, we're seeing in interviews, I just went in today. I mean, he's gone from being a guy who, I mean, he realizes there's there's a greater depth, no disrespect to what he used to give us. But you can even see it in his tone and his deportment in terms of how he handles the interview process so i'm really happy for him it's a start the irony is reed uh nugent hopkins and mcdavid and yamamoto did not have an even starting goal on the four game homestand i mean the others are playing a murderous road to start the season and they illustrate that point reed uh 33 13 and 8 is the record of the six playoff teams from last year that they played so far evidence 3 3 and 1 against those teams so the fact that the team 4-3-1, and one, the fact that Newt's had a solid start here, a lot of points in the last six games, uh, I think bodes well for Everson moving forward. I'm really, on a personal level, happy that he's getting some of the recognition that he deserves.
2: 642, Bob Stoffer joining us from Nashville. Predators and Oilers on 6.30, Chet, tomorrow 11.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 1, and then the Oilers move on to play in Chicago on, on Sunday. Uh, you know, the this, this story going into yesterday's game was, was obviously Puglio Yarvi being scratched. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to return tomorrow given how they played. Is, is there something. I mean, look, I, I, I read the text about Drysaddle. I, I thought his last two games were fine. Uh, you know, he's got now a little bit more of a veteran guy who, you know, knows what it takes and who will get into the right spots with Chase on that line. Look, Chase on shooting percentage is 100. So, fine. That's the not, that's not going to continue. Um, but I, I'm not ready to, to take Seidel off as a center on his own line yet, Bob.
3: Oh, no. I think the last two games, five on five, have been Leon's best games. As for Pogliarby, I mean, there is a possibility he could draw back in. Don't forget in the third period, Cooper Marodi got run in hard in LaBorce by a guy that's played on the edge for a while, and that's Brooks Zorbrick. I mean, from Zorbrick's 38 years old. I thought Marodi looked like he dinged up his shoulder a bit. Uh, and Marody has played almost exclusively center. He's been asked to play right wing the last couple of games here. So, I mean, the others have two options. Now, Marody was playing on the fourth line. If you want a bottom six forward, Cassian might make more sense. Conversely, you have the option of uh, putting Polyarby back in, maybe playing him with Strom and Lucic, and then moving Kajula down to the fourth line uh, with options there between Kerr and Cassian. So if uh, if Marody can't go. So keep eye on that. I also think, based on practice this morning, um, there's big possibility Bouchard is going to get the game off. Uh, The Oilers, you know, have got a nine-game window here. And if he stays and goes beyond nine games, if we don't have expansion to 2021 and he gets past that nine-game threshold, that means Edmonton has to protect him moving forward as a defenseman. And from a management perspective, I wonder if there's, even though he's done some things, he's... I could argue Bouchard's outplayed played at least one of the defensemen on the club right now. Uh, I think you have to factor in the long term. So we got some interesting storylines here over the next week.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow Bouchard, Bob, because I mean he's he's really good with the puck and not just his shot. He's been good at stick handling in tight areas. I I know he had some mistakes last night. There was a pinch. There were you know a couple of coverages. And I, I I've never seen a defenseman play a perfect game, but sometimes you see evidence of the inexperience here's here's what i've been thinking is is he better off if he goes back to london he'll dominate he'll be on the world juniors if he stays in edmonton you burn the the year of the alc and there's probably more risk there but what if he plays 55 to 60 games and he's working with an nhl coaching staff and specifically yanni for the entire season if if that happens do you get a better evan bouchard next september when camp starts
3: yeah, and then you got to, Read that's a completely fair perspective to have. I would say it's 75-25 that at some point he's going down here. And logic dictates to maximize because it's, it's, Seattle's already got a division to play in. They're getting approved once we move forward. Part of the issue is, you know, we could have a lockout here, you know, in, in the fall of 2020. Do you want to have the, the threat of a lockout? You got an expansion team coming. I mean, from a NHLPA perspective, you're going to get another, basically another 23 jobs at the NHL level uh, once Seattle gets to the league. And from a league perspective, you don't want to have a, uh, a lockout overshadowing Seattle's arrival to the league. So that's why I think it's going to be 2021. If it was 2020, the protectionism to assuming that we have the same guidelines and structure of the expansion draft, if we're, if we're going up in 2020, it doesn't matter. With but if we're not going to 2021, that is a factor. For me, I, I think we're looking at 75-25 when he goes down. Benning's close to returning to the lineup. Um, I think Evanston could, you know, I think Mac Benning's going to bounce back here, start in the third pairing on the right side. He's proven the last two years he can play there. I know you have Rob Brown on. Rob Brown thinks he can play. I think he's proven that he can play in that sort of third pairing role. The question is, can he at some point accelerate his minutes
2: final tell on that front, and what does that do with the start We'll have to wait and see. All right, and uh, quickly, Bob, uh, we get asked a lot about Koskinen. How much is he going to play? Well, he'll play tomorrow. Uh, I, look, I, I hate to deflect like this, but I, I'm saying the same stuff about Koskinen that I was saying August 1st and August 30th. I don't know. I I, I just don't I just don't know what we're going to get tomorrow. Wait,
3: that's uh- to me, a hundred percent, the only way you can look at it. Like I know it makes for boring radio. And we're supposed to have a little fight back, and I have no clue how. How did I? Po- I mean, the guy has not played since the game in Cologne, so that's going back to what October third. So he will not have played in twenty-four days. It's it's impossible to assess. What I will tell you is, you know that I like to be at the rink uh, at ten o'clock for ten thirty practice because I want to see how hard goalies working, and I will our, I will suggest that this guy is working harder than some of the other backups the Oilers have had here over the last two or three years, so let's see how he does, but he's getting thrown in a fire, the definition of insanity, Reed, is what?
2: Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results.
3: Right, they've thrown, they've had Talbot out there against Nashville, maybe it's time for a bit of a change-up, and it's going to be a finished goalie one way or another, with the Preds, and they both played with Koskinen, and maybe competitive juices get flying. So, let's see. The Orders are making some progression game by game. This is the best team in the league last year. They're 8-2 this year. It's an afternoon game. Young teams don't play great in the afternoon. Let's see what kind of juice the Orders bring, let's see how they play for Koskinen. You know, there might be a little bit of fear there with some of the guys on the team, and we'll get them to play a better structure and process. And they just got to stay in the fight against Nashville and don't beat themselves, and they're throwing a bit of a change-up by having Koskinen in there. they going to be a treat to see how he performs.
2: Dare I ask how you're spending Friday night in Nashville?
3: I am uh, going to meet somebody at a place called L.A. Jackson shortly. And uh, it's a real great guy to meet, Reed.
2: All right. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Maybe you'll hear about it someday. Hey, Bob, thanks for what? checking in, Matt. All right, see you. Bye-bye. That is Bob Stauffer, Oilers now host Noon to 2 every day on 6.30 Chet, and of course our color analyst for our games on Ched and the Oilers Radio Network. So he and I will be back with you for the face-off show tomorrow morning. We are coming up on 6.50, so uh, you know, Bob thinks probably 75%. Bouchard goes back to uh, London. I-, I would lean towards that happening too. Uh, definitely, uh, I think, some... Uh, Optimism long term for how Bouchard is going to be with the Edmonton Oilers. Some portions of the show presented by Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialist. Call 7804Family or check them out online at FurnaceFamily.com. Coming right back.
1: This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad.
2: All right, 3-0. The Stampeders leading the Blue Bombers halfway through the first quarter. Eskimos need the Stampeders to win for them to still have a shot at the playoffs. Uh, This texter says, Reed, Len Rhodes is the problem with the Eskimos. Not a football guy. He let Hervey leave. Why? Maybe an ego problem. Hervey bled green and gold. Well, look, I, I... Obviously, there was conflict there, but I want you to understand something. And uh, I've talked to people, you know, within the Eskimos organization and in important spots in the Eskimos organization and people who work there. And you have to remember, this situation was not Ed Hervey against Len Rhodes. This was Ed Hervey against virtually everybody in that office. And I, several people have described Uh, ed as toxic to the ex-eskimos that's that's the point he had reached with his attitude now look ed i'm just telling you what i heard this isn't me coming on trying to take sides or or put ed down this is what i've been told by a lot of people and i also recognize ed hervey did bleed green and gold and he did a lot of great things and he helped build the 2015 team that won the great cup And I think he was a big part of preventing Chris Jones from breaking some roster rules that Chris Jones then got caught doing in Saskatchewan and and got in trouble for. Um, But I I also think if you're allowed to love Ed Ed Hervey, but you have to realize Ed Hervey is not perfect. And I'm not saying Len Rose is perfect and that everybody loves working for him. Um, But you have to accept, I think, some realities about the situation, about how Ed behaved and how he treated people. And that's what, what got him fired. And that's a fact, okay? That's not speculation. That's, that is what happened. It was a very easy decision for a lot of people to endorse once it got to the point that it, that it had to be made. So, so just keep that in mind. You can text 636-30 phone number 780-496-0063 And Hervey, in-season, has done a great job with the Lions. He didn't assemble a great team in the offseason. He's made some great ads during this season. There's stuff on both sides of the ledger here. I just want you to acknowledge both.
1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.